Hello everyone, and welcome to Season 6 of SCADcast and On Creativity. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matt Nickley, and it's great to be back with you. As this episode is released, SCAD students are in the middle of their first week back on campus for fall quarter in the new academic year. For many, this is their first time back on ground since March of 2020. It's a joy to see the incomparable life back in the classrooms and around the residence halls. The SCAD safety and security team has our endless admiration for providing public health conscious ways to enable our students to be with their peers every day and in person. The start of every quarter also means great anticipation as the whole community tries to guess what special guests are going to visit campus, host lectures and master classes, and share their vast expertise, like today's special guest and season six premier subject, Diane von Furstenberg, DVF, and to my mind, the first lady of fashion. Paula Wallace interviewed von Furstenberg in May before a virtual audience of SCAD students just before commencement in celebration of DVF's new book, Own It. As an innovator, the wrap dress alone would have cemented her place in the Hall of Fame. Less than two years after unveiling her invention, Newsweek magazine heralded DVF, quote, the most marketable woman since Coco Chanel, unquote. Like Chanel, DVF is more than a chic designer of fashionable garments. She is a female founder, a force of wisdom, and an endless source of notable quotables. In Own It, her mind jumps off the page and stirs you to take action in your daily life. And you'll get an exclusive inside look into this queen of individuality through Paula Wallace's interview. DVF also fields questions from current SCAD students in a Q&A led by luxury and fashion management MFA Lauren Hayes and fashion alumna Nzinga Helwig. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Paula Wallace and Diane von Furstenberg. You're such um, a longtime friend of mine and a person that I so deeply admire. Uh, you're just a vortex of positivity. You bring so many people together in such productive ways. And you just always have shown your generosity um, to SCAD by, of course, coming to the campus several times and sharing your experiences with our students. And you're a generous donor. You you made the SCAD Museum of Art a reality through your generosity. Um, and you most recently wrote a foreword for a book that we published uh, of Kentura Davis's work, which um, you saw at the museum. Which I love. <laughs> Another time that you came was at graduation and you were our commencement speaker in 2004. But now I've been reading your book, Own It, The Secret to Life. And I think this would make a perfect commencement gift because there's so many, um, so many insightful observations that you've made. I noticed the other day you posted a photo of a lot of your diaries. We use diaries as self-therapy, maybe, and yes, also yes. to just write and remember details. And I'm kind of wondering, well, what do you write in your diaries? Okay, so I started writing a diary when I was a teenager, but a young teenager. I think I was maybe 11, 12. And at that time, you go to your diary 
for refuge. You go to your diary because you don't know who you are, because you don't know what you want to do, because you think life is boring. I mean, everything around you in Belgium is so boring or whatever, you know. So you go to, and then you dream, and then I wrote short stories and, and, uh, and things like that. So you, you go, that's the first thing. Now, my diary, until I am 22, have disappeared because my mother, they went in the storage, and I don't know, they disappeared. But I do have my diaries after I was 22. And of course, at age 22 is when I started my adult life. It's the year I got pregnant. It's the year I got married in that order. It's the year I moved to America. It's the year that I started basically my business. So it was a major year. Now, strangely enough, you have more. Yeah, one thing is keeping your agenda, you know, which is your appointments. Or, or I have three books. I have one which is the agenda where you keep your appointments. I don't know if it makes sense any anymore with the digital world, but one I still do it. Then I have a notebook where I made my notes of mm. what I want to do or where I, or who I have to call and notes. And then I have my diary. And, and the three of them, when I wrote my memoir, The Woman I Wanted to Be, all of them were kind of useful. My diary is not always that exciting. And I don't really go back and read it that much. If you open it, I'm almost always at the turning point of my life. It looks like I've done nothing in my life but turn. And, mm. uh, uh, and I do a lot of thinking in a weird way. I, I, you know, I do a lot. I show a lot of gratefulness. And, uh, yeah, it's very much inside thing. Except that I, for four years I lived with a writer. And because I lived with a writer who was writing novels, that and I, I that inspired me. So my diary during those years are much more literary and longer and blah blah blah. So, but I still I still keep it. I still do. And uh, I was born on New Year's Eve, so when the year is over, it's over. And so, you know, starting new diaries is always a big deal. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, I know your diaries must have been helpful as you've written. Um, so we have several of your books. I know, here. I can't believe it. <laughs> and and I, I imagine some of the thoughts that you put down and own it maybe were thoughts that you've accumulated and jotted it down over the years. Oh. oh, I was just wondering if we could go through some of the words that you've included yes. in own so it and this, just share what comes to mind. Yeah, so first, this book is absolutely totally the best gift and Faydon who makes beautiful books they came to me and they say you know people quote you all the time you use your quotes you are wise we would love to have a book with your wisdom I thought oh, okay since now you know and now that I'm an older woman I like this idea of becoming an oracle and 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 one of the priority in my life now is to use my voice, my experience, my knowledge, my connection, and my resources in order to help other women to be the women they want to That's be. That's what you do. You yeah, do it. because because I was lucky to be able to become the woman I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I use my magic wand every day, blah, 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 all of that. So I was happy to write this book. And at first, the book was going to be called In Charge. 
Mm-hmm. And the reason it was because in charge is because when people used to tell me, what did you want to do when you grow up? I would say, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew the kind of woman I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a woman in charge. And then when people asked me, who is your customer? Who do you design for? I would say, I designed for the woman in charge. Not which means, you know, a woman who could pay her bills, a woman who could be equal to a man and who could have a man's life in a woman's body. And I became that woman. And so in charge was always some kind of an umbrella in my brand when we do International Women's Day. It's always under the name of in charge. I even wrote a manifesto about in charge with, you know, the micro steps and all of that. And uh, so the book was going to be written in charge. And then I started to write it in prose, like a normal book. And the Mm -hmm. first sentence was going to be, we cannot choose our parents. And and that was big. And it's true. We cannot choose our parents. We land where we land. There's the good, the bad, indifferent. And we just, that's the first thing we have to own. So only because... To be in charge is not an aggressive statement. To be in charge is first and foremost a commitment to ourselves. It's owning who we are. We own our imperfection, they become our asset. We own our vulnerability, it becomes our strength. Mm -hmm. So owners would always, always come back. So then we decided, I'm not going to call the book In Charge, I'm going to call it the book Own It. Then I start as I was writing it, I found my, I, I don't like to be condescending. I, 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 so I took a big, big, big book and I wrote uh, one page per letter. And I wrote all the, the, the words that speak to me and the words that don't speak to me and decided I would do this book like a little dictionary. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And I picked 268 words and some words just get a tiny line, a paragraph. Some words get an anecdote. But what is amazing that every word brings you back to owning it. And what owning it means is that you have to be responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because one of the words I said is character. Character yes. is the only thing you can totally control. You can mm-hmm. lose your health, you can lose your wealth, you can lose your beauty, you can lose your family, you can lose your freedom, but you never lose your character, even under torture. And, mm-hmm. and therefore, owning it is being in charge. Owning it is, show, is having going to your own character. That is the little house, the shelter inside yourself that is the core of your strength. But so now you have the explanation. Now you could choose the words. Which word did you like? <laughs> well, I, I you talked about responsibility, and that to me is is owning it, um, taking responsibility. I like destiny. You write, um, destiny is not fully in our hands, but along the journey of our lives, we get signals, opportunities, and events that allow us to make decisions to help design the path of our lives. We must write it with confidence and make the best of it. What what experiences in your life, you know, have led you to that understanding well, of destiny? It's so profound. You you said you like the responsibility. 
my my words for responsibility is contrary to common use of the word taking responsibility is the key to freedom freedom yeah and i think it's important because you think that you know taking responsibility is more work is more this is more that that's true but actually taking responsibility is your key to freedom there's a lot of um you know yin and yang which i think mm -hmm. is 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 really important mm -hmm. we'll pick a few more that you that you like okay i i like provocative provocative, provocative. Provocative is one of my favorite words. I love the sound of it. It tickles. It is a combination of question and affirmation. Nothing is more provocative than speaking the truth and revealing our imperfection. The provocative part gets the attention, but the truth gets respect. When I first started my company in my early 20s, I did a lot of personal appearance all around the country. Los Angeles, mm -hmm. Philadelphia, Detroit, Miami, San Francisco, Savannah. Mm -hmm. It was also new and exotic to me. A young European Park Avenue princess coming to town to show her easy, affordable little dresses is how I was introduced by the local press everywhere. I did not love that definition. That's when I decided to become a bit more provocative in my narrative to show that I was not perfect. The words became mine and the story no longer a fairy tale. What I'm trying to say is that what I realized at first, you know, when I was young, I didn't smile. I wanted to act tough and everything. And then I realized as I was successful and more confident, I could show my vulnerability. And then you realize that your vulnerability is the most attractive thing and the most inspiring things for others. Mm -hmm. And then you have like very short one, like I really like what I wrote for addiction. Cause I'm mm -hmm. not an addictive person. So it's, but I wrote when pleasure becomes prison, it's addiction. That's pretty good, right? So profound, so profound. You were authentic before uh, before it was a popular word. You know, expand what? too. I love I love what you said about expand um, with stretching okay. beyond. Yeah. All right, let's go for authenticity. Okay. Nothing is more attractive and powerful than authenticity. It is the essence of who we really are, and so much better than any imitation. Mm -hmm. What what what's or oh, expand you want? Expand, expand, yeah. But you know the good thing about this book, I'm very proud of this book. Expand is to stretch beyond. Mm -hmm. The best way to expand our horizon is by discovering places or spending quality time with someone we normally would not connect with. Mm -hmm. Magic happens. That's what you that's what you do all the time. Magic happens on both sides, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, every day I try to use my magic wand, and I do. And, you do. Uh, yeah. I would you like do. to say, because you are a dreamer. You are, Paula, one of the women I admire the most in this country. 
And because you may, uh, you you had a dream when you were very young, and you created something so major. So dream, the dreams we have in our sleep are in the hands of our subconscious. The dreams we have when awake are visions that we can make happen. Yeah. Exactly. We make them happen. You know, you have to think several steps down the road, too, and project those dreams into what needs to take place um, to actually realize those dreams. And we have so many SCAD students and alumni who are dreamers and makers. And I love what you said about dream. And because, you see, you are a visionary. You absolutely are a visionary. And I said, to be a visionary is being able to imagine the future and materialize it. It is daring to dream, owning it. Mm-hmm. Owning it. I love what you said about blue too. And I've got on one of your blue dresses here, but you said blue is nirvana, the color of meditation. It's also the color of the throat chakra, the color of our voice and self-expression. I love how you've you've colorized um, things that people don't think of putting color into. And you said, my happiest moment is swimming far at sea into the horizon, getting lost in the blues, a tiny dot between the water and the sky. Where do you love to swim, Diane? Anywhere. I... Uh... We are very lucky we have a boat. You know, you've been on the boat. You came for lunch. And uh, so I swim in the ocean and I swim. I swim between an hour and a half, two hours, nonstop every morning. You are one strong woman, Diane. No, I I swim like an old lady, but I I could swim for a long time. And, uh, And I have a little boat following me. And, but they, they can't be too close, they can't make noise because this moment of being precisely what I said, a tiny dot between the blue of the sky and the blue can, of the sea is amazing. I can just see you, yeah. I love the quote that you shared from Honoré de Balzac, when you doubt your power, you give power to your doubt. This is so great. When you, when you wake up and you feel like a loser, and we all wake up and feel like losers sometimes, because only losers don't feel like losers. I go in front of the mirror and I say, when you doubt your power, you give power to your doubts. It's very strong. And, and I think sometimes power is thought to be in a negative term like, term, like an autocrat or a dictator. But you, as you're saying, it's a magic wand. You can, you can use your power to help so many people, which you do every day. You lift others up. You honor others with your DVF awards, with your foundation. You, you help so many people. And just in your personal connections, um, you you connect so vividly and so immediately with people. How do you do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I don't think I did that. I, I think it's, it's something that I grew into doing. But I always, it's intimacy. I love intimacy. I hate small talk. I hate Me too. I like, I mean, it's okay if you go and sell something. If I go and launch something, you go, you talk to everybody because you sell it. But if you're not selling, then 
the talk, the small talk is something I absolutely hate. I love intimacy though. And you could be, you could be intimate two minutes with someone in the elevator. It's just paying attention. When you pay attention to details or to people, you become so much richer because you discover things that normally you would not know. So paying attention to people and you always have surprises. You say, oh my God, thank God. You know, why did I ask you? Are you married? Where did I ask you where you're from? You know, it's really, it's really interesting. Intimacy, I don't know what I, I know it's in there because it's so important to me. And honesty. Yeah. And honesty, but intimacy, what did I write? Where is I? Oh, here it is. Intimacy. I despise small talk and love intimacy. We don't have to know someone well to be intimate. We only need to break the barriers, go deep and pay attention to their feeling as our own. Intimacy can build empathy. Exactly. Empathy. So important. So important today. It always has been. But it's something that everyone um, can really focus on today and and understand the value of it. You also included creativity. Creativity is a word that we think a lot about at SCAD. And this conversation actually is a series we call on creativity. What does creativity mean to you? Creativity is the mysterious and magical manifestation of imagination and inventiveness. Even when it appears frivolous, creativity leads to daring and to to valuable experiment, never Mm -hmm. a waste. Mm -hmm. And creativity does not only mean, you know, draw. Or it's also, you could be creative, how to put things together, businesses, you could be creative. You know, I also put words I don't like, but that Mm -hmm. are important, like imposter. Imposter makes the best characters in books and movies. They are made of lies and denials that Mm -hmm. only bring trouble. Confirmation that owning it and practicing the truth are the only ways to go. Hmm. Wow. And, so true. <laughs> yeah, shame. Shame is something that I, I despise. Shame must be avoided at all costs. Although it can be hard when we accept ourselves and our action, we have no reason to have shame. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Because people should not have shame. Those are things you should throw away, like fear. Mm-hmm. What about legacy? Uh, do I have legacy? You do. It's on page 88. Okay. Okay, legacy. Legacy is what we leave behind that others can use. And use. What do you mean by that, Diane? Uh, Well, first of all, what is the legacy, right? Uh, What is my legacy? First of all, it's my children and my grandchildren. It's the family that I created and that is left behind me. And my legacy is I could see the values. I could see the people they are. I could see 
you know, and I'm very proud. That, that is number one legacy. Number two legacy is your body of work, my brand. And that is, you know, what you leave behind that people will remember or have. And, and then you have the impact, which is what is most important to me. And it's, you know, how you can use, as I said before, your voice, your experience, your knowledge, your resources, your connection into helping others. Because, I mean, that's the legacy too, because you have open door for this one and that one. And behind them, there's a dynasty and blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, you know, you can't always measure it. You can't always know, oh, that was a legacy. But that's, that's it's really what you plant, is the seeds that you plant. Well, I love you. I mean, you're so down to earth um, and you wrote that something that people can use legacy is not just like a, like a, something ethereal. It's something that people can use. So I, I just appreciate you sharing your life with me and all of your experiences uh, with everyone through this book. I think words do have a lot of meaning and your words mean a lot to me. Um, and I'm just thinking about what you wrote about quotes, and I thought that might be a fitting conclusion, although I could talk to you forever, but I know some of our students want to ask you questions. Um, but would you like to read on 117 what you wrote about quotes? Uh, I, have, I have spent my life believing that every word matters. A good quote has the ability to make us feel and be inspired. We can hold onto a quote forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't reread that. I have to say that the more I, you know, I, I, I forgot some of those things, but <laughs> it's really, it's it's so me. I mean, every single word is me. It's I mean, so I, you. I can well, you see how much the- I loved it. I've tabbed all these pages. I have so many more that I would love to talk to you about. But the next time that we're we're together in person, we'll we'll have to talk some more. But I'm sure that um, everyone will hold on to these quotes, and um, and they will be. They're so meaningful to so many people. That thank you for including everything in this book and for joining me today. And now I'd like to invite SCAD students, Lauren and Nzinga to host our Q&A. Thank you, President Wallace. And thank you so much, Diane von Furstenberg. That was great. And it was amazing to hear a lot of your quotes and your perspectives on things. To start the q and I'd love to ask, as a pioneer of radical femininity, what do you think the future of feminism in fashion will look like? In fashion? Yes. Uh, well, because of um, the pandemic will have had an enormous effect on everything, right? And change society. So what happened during the pandemic? Two things happened, two forces. One force is everyone got closer to nature. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Because you appreciated yeah. more, you enjoyed it more. I mean, we got, you know, you had time if you stayed at home and you had a garden you had time to see that little flower come up and that little thing. I mean, so nature has become more important than ever. And then on the other side, the virtual world. And uh, the virtual world is, is I mean, we, we have accelerated five to 10 years to the accelerate, to the virtual world. So 
So the, we have two, these two things pulling us, but those two things will kind of blend. So I think that there's definitely going to be more, it's going to be maybe more fluid. It's going to be more, you know, for me, I make clothes that are collectibles, right? And so it's about color and it's about prints and and then it's very easy styles and and you collect them and and they're sustainable because people don't throw them away. If you go to a vintage store, you may find a dress that has already been three times in a vintage store and that has already had three generations and it's still the same price. So, so it's it's all, so somehow the kind of fashion that I do, which is very much the woman first, the woman before fashion, somehow blends into that. But then of course you have the seasons, you know, and we are, we women are seasonal product. I mean, we have our period every month. We have, you know, there's the new moon every month. There is a new sign. There's all these things that happen. And that's why to work with colors and to work with prints allow you to follow the moon calendars, allows you to follow, you know, all of that. So that's kind of interesting. And, uh, and also gender fluidity. I mean, you know, uh, so, but fashion is something you absolutely cannot predict. You know, all of a sudden everyone wear combat boots, you know, and it's, it's and, and fashion really don't come, it's the streets, it's the lifestyle, it's the needs that inspire the designer. It's not the other way around. So it's mysterious. And fashion is not just food, uh, food, um, clothes. It's also food. It's also the way we do things. It's, it's very interesting. Thank you so much, Diane. That was really insightful. You kind of bring up this idea of like a third space, this kind of space that exists independently of um, kind of these two generally opposing ideas. So my question is, when you approach design thinking on a broader scale, do you typically take on the role of the student, the teacher, or do you see yourself as existing kind of in both simultaneously? You know, I when I was a, a, a child and I was learning for my exam, my way to, to, to learn was to pretend I was the teacher. And, so, and, and, and that's my way to learn. And, and now I speak a lot and teach a lot, and I try not to make, to be boring and repeating the same thing all the time or find new ways of saying it. And I often, I often learn when I speak, but I also learn when I listen. And I think you should always be a student and a teacher at the same time. And now that I'm an older person, I am so much more eager to learn. I mean, I, oh, why didn't I learn this? And why didn't I learn that? and you know anatomy and all these things so it's fascinating and the more you know the more you know that you don't know yeah i think that's the mark of true success is recognizing that there's so much you actually don't know and opening yourself up to that so i want to open it up to the audience with our first question from carl um so you both have on evil eye rings carl noticed why do you choose to wear them? And for all of our jewelry design students, who is the designer? All right, I like evil, evil. Oh, I had, no, I have two evils actually. I have- Me too. I have a bracelet 
Me too. <laughs> and, it's in, and I have a ring. Okay. The bracelet was my husband gave it to me. And uh, and I went in, in the designer is Ja, J-A-R. He's the best designer in jewelry design in the world. His name is Joel Rosenthal. And he has a tiny, tiny hidden place in Paris with no sign. And anyway, so he gave me this bracelet. And I went to him and I said, I would like you to make this bracelet into a ring. And he said, keep the bracelet and I'll make you a ring. And so I have both. My bracelet was given to me by two um, alumni. And it came from Istanbul, Tan and Aslam Tasyalu. I love you, Tan and Aslam. Very nice. Our next question comes from Chani Becker, who asks, do you have advice for mothers who are struggling with balancing a dedicated, creative life and the responsibilities of raising a family? Listen, I always think, and I could be wrong, that having a career and having children and having a husband, the hardest thing is the husband. <laughs> so... Uh, that's what I think. Uh, um, in my case, I have a wonderful husband. So does Paula. So we, we yeah, really don't yeah. qualify. But uh, uh, this is, uh, but it's a lot to combine. And it's a lot for women to do. And, and women can do. The, the terrifying thing that happened about, and I don't know about in America, but in France, it was terrible, is during pandemic, and the domestic violence. And that has been really terrible. And and women are, you know, the nurturer and they want to protect this and they want to protect that. <clears throat> and that is really, it's not easy to be a woman, but I wouldn't change it. And, and, and we just have to do it. And we just have to own it and do the best and not take bullshit. You know, we cannot be abused. We should not be abused. We have the courage of not being abused. In certain countries, it's not so easy, but in this country, it should be. That's such great insight. As a mom, it means a lot to me <laughs> to figure out how, how to old are your kids? everything. How My old are your kids? just turned two. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely a lot to balance. And especially when we're talking about you know the next path in our career, we have a question from Alexandra Lee. Wait, wait, wait. Before oh, we go to that, yes. one thing I would like to tell all the mothers and who try to balance things up, forget about being guilty. Do not be guilty because that is pointless. And it really is work it out, make it happen, but don't be guilty. That's the best advice I can give you. I'm looking for the word guilt. But... All right. I may not have. Okay, go on. It is really insightful, though, because that is something as a mother that everyone struggles with is that balance. Um, so especially moving forward. So Alexandra wants to know um, about internships and how you can stand out as a potential intern in an interview. And what is your thoughts? Okay, so if you want to intern, you want to intern to that place, whatever that place is, you have to do research about that that place and explain why it's important for you to get a, an internship there. Mm -hmm. And that's how you will 
probably that's the False best purpose. A purpose. I love it. Thank you. Our next question comes from Nicole Martinez, who asks, where do you find inspiration and what do you do when you feel uninspired? Okay, I find inspiration in two places. Nature. Nature is my source of employment. Every almost every one of my prints is a is a related to print. I take pictures of nature all the time. That's the most inspiring thing. And women. These are the two things that inspire me. Nature mm -hmm. and women. And uh, when I'm not inspired, but you know, not to be inspired is not about, about designing clothes. Not being inspired is, oh, you wake up and you say, oh, I don't know. I'm a loser. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever. And then I put my feet on the ground and I get going and I get inspired. That actually kind of touches upon this next question from Lynn Tanzer. And she asked, do you ever worry about the competition and how do you keep your faith in yourself alive and continuing? Uh, I think you should not. I, I think that it's bad. I think you should do, you should listen to everybody. You should look at everyone and you should do what you want. <laughs> and, and you should really be true to yourself. The more you are true with it to yourself, the better it is. And you have to stand for something. And, and I don't worry too much about competition, whether it's in private life or not. I would, since you are all young, I would like to read you jealousy. Hmm. Because that's another good advice I can give you. Jealousy is a very toxic, toxic feeling that should be pushed away never comparing ourselves to others and instead focusing on being the best we can be will free us from jealousy. My personal recommendation to avoid jealousy is to never ever look at anyone's phone or personal mail. Nothing to gain from that. Ooh, you must have had an experience, Diane. With my mother. I opened a letter when I was 12 years old. I opened a letter that was addressed to my mother. It turned out, I don't know my instinct, it turned out that it was from who would become her boyfriend and for whom she would leave my father. But nevertheless, and I don't know why I opened that letter, I opened that letter. She beat me up so badly. She was so angry that I never ever, ever did this again. I wouldn't. If the computer of my husband is open, I close it. If my children, the same thing. I, I Respecting people's privacy is very important. That's actually really great advice. <laughs> um, yeah. There's nothing good. No. No matter what, there's nothing good. And there's then nothing you start, good. Ah, what is this? Who is that? Then you become needy and you're pain in the ass. I 100% agree. Uh, <laughs> Rhea wants to know how you deal with the negativity that comes with being such a public figure. And do you let that get to you? My guess is no, but <laughs> go ahead. I don't know. What's the negativity about being a public figure? I am, I am who I am. So the, the big advantage of my life, I realized today, looking back and after finishing this book, is that I've never lied. Mm. 
and I've never lied to others, and I've never lied. I try so hard not to lie to myself. So I could be delusional sometimes, but I really work hard at not being. So I don't know. You know, I, I tell you something. Some people, I remember when I was young, I was very good friend with Mick Jagger, right? You couldn't find a bigger star than Mick Jagger or Jack Nicholson. I could go, to, you could go in the street with Mick Jagger. He would wear a cap. He would act in a way that nobody cared. That, that somehow, and then I, I, then I went out with Richard Gere, and it was the opposite. He was like that, waiting for people to acclaim him. It's just, you know, all in the body language. Authenticity. Thank you. Our next question comes from Sandra, who asks, in your diaries, you spoke about writing about the woman you wanted to become. How do you recommend young creatives manifest their future career if they're still confused on their passions or direction? Well, the woman I wanted to be didn't have a defined profession, didn't have a defined, it was a feeling. I wanted to be a woman in charge. How I would get there, I didn't know, you know. And then you start life, there are all these doors. And my door, I pushed, the door I pushed is the least glamorous of all. It was in a factory in Italy. A man, uh, he had a printing factory. I never thought this would be ever important to me, but it became the key of who I became. So you have to have a very open mind, but I think the person you want, unless you know you want to be a, it, yes, of course. I didn't know I wanted to be a fashion designer. It happened. Uh, but if you really, really want to be a fashion designer from day one, then you have already a sense of what kind of fashion designer, you know, and what purpose. So then you polish, you polish your dream. And then, and you polish your dream and you, and you go with the flow, seeing what door is open, where, what is the one thing that, you know, and then, and then you live your life. Your life is your adventure. It's your journey every day. And, and, and you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to remember that the most important relationship in life is the one you have with yourself. Once you have that, any other relationship is a plus and not a must. Everything I say, no matter what you ask me, will always go somehow, go back to yourself. It will always go back to be true to who you are own who you are. You have a big nose, live it, own it. And all of a sudden people say, oh, she has such an interesting note because you live <laughs> with it because you own it. That's such like great advice. Um, so I gave the good ones today. Yeah, no, you're really throwing out nuggets here for everyone. Um, Gabby wants to know if you could go back, and it might be this exactly, but if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before beginning your career, what would it be? Go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. That's what I tell everyone. Go for it. I was very lucky. I mean, now you think that my mother was a monster, but she wasn't at all. I owe her everything. But she never told me, be careful. Never. And she's just, do it. Be responsible. Think about what you're doing, but do it. And that was such, such key for freedom. And that's how you parent your children now, I take it, given our kind of discussion earlier. 
I guess so. I guess so. I mean, you know, your children always will complain about something. You know, I wasn't a soccer mom and I wasn't this and I wasn't that. And I wasn't. And I have no guilt about it. And But I made them be responsible and I made them be the people they wanted to be, actually. So I'm, you know, but, you know, when you are a, I will read you what I wrote about children because I was very careful about that because they are the most judgmental. Okay, I have seven children counting my five grandchildren. As all mothers do, I want more for them than I want for myself. I love them unconditionally and respect them, but also admire them, watching them go into life owning who they are. As a young mother, I was worried to be too strong and have an overpowering voice. So I made sure to give them plenty of space to express theirs. I certainly succeeded in that, as I am now often lovingly belittled by them. However, my dream of them becoming who they want to be is fulfilled. You know, I was obviously, I would, first of all, a mother is always overpowering, no matter what, she's your mother. Just so much power over you. So, and I was particularly overpowering. So I had to be, you know, kind of tone it down. But I'm not sure I did. <laughs> That's such a wonderful lesson you speak about, kind of encouraging that fearlessness. It's amazing. Somebody wants to know what was your initial inspiration, Adina asks, for the wrap dress particularly. Okay. So, I worked in a print factory, so I learned everything about the print factory. The man who owned the factory was very successful. He was doing all the silk scarves for all the, the big designers, Ferragamo and Gucci and everything. And uh, he needed more space so because he was successful. He bought the factory next door where they used to make stockings. Stockings were no longer needed because the pantyhose was born. So he bought the factory, he bought it for the walls, but there were all these machines and he didn't want to throw these machines. So he said, what can we do with these tubular knitting machines? And he called the big yarn company, Dupont, Sniaviscozzi, and he tried to experiment these machines with thicker yarn. And he invented his great jersey fabric. Then he took the jersey fabric and we printed on the jersey fabric. And so we started to make t-shirts. And that's, I started to make a t-shirt dress, shirt dress. And then I made a little wrap top who was what ballerinas, those little sweaters that ballerinas used to wear. And then mm. it became a dress, so. That's amazing. As an aspiring knitwear designer, it's so exciting to hear more about the history of that. Our next question comes from Shannon Morales, who asks, if you can eradicate one fashion trend from the planet, what would it be? I don't like to eradicate anything, but I didn't particularly love the 80s. You know, the big huge shoulder, the big hair. And, and somehow there are decades. I mean, there are two decades that somehow never go out of style. The 30s, always beautiful, and the 70s. The 80s was unfortunate. <laughs> That's very interesting insight. And I think a lot of people might share in that remark. Um, 
Some uh, Rhonda Feindling asks, what did you mean when you said fashion is everything, not just clothing? Oh, well, fashion is everything. What you eat, all of a sudden, you know, everybody eats kiwi or everybody eats sushi or, you know, it's uh, fashion is the, the zeitgeist of the time. It's the pulse of the time. That happens because of what is happening in the world. That's fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, if you died 10 years ago and you came back, I mean, you know, you couldn't understand what people are talking about. Data and, and web and net and, and mute. I mean, you know. I think authenticity, though, that's something that's universal and that's something that's. Yeah. And, and that DVF, DVF invented it. Yep. <laughs> I, did, I did not invent it. No, I didn't invent it. I didn't invent it. But I, I was lucky. I was lucky to discover that it's the best way to go. I mean, I am, I am, I am so happy that I realized that lying was the worst thing you can do. I mean, I practice truth and practicing truth may seem painful or difficult on the moment, but it is absolutely the passport for happiness. Mm -hmm. And you accept people too. I mean, you connect with people on a very deep level and you accept people. I think that's all part of the, the whole concept of authenticity. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily agree and no. uh, uh, with everyone, uh, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. I think showing that kind of human compassion to just recognize someone's truth and then share your own truth is amazing. Our next question comes from Viren Shah, who wants to know, who are some of your favorite emerging designers? Oh, I used to have a very good answer because when I was the mother of the CFDA, I said, well, I can't have favorites. But now, well, Christopher Jones used to work for me and he's he's very, very good. And Piers Morgan, I think, is incredibly talented. And... um, Who are some of your other favorite designers or artists of this time? Do you have any contemporary artists that you're... Oh my God. Uh, of right now. Well, I love that girl. Yeah, Tintura Davis. She was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And Christopher John Rogers, you gave him his start. And that's you right. Also... And he's a scat guy. I didn't even realize yes. that. Of course. Yes. He loves you. Everybody yes. loves you. I don't know. All of you are so lucky to have Paula as a leader. She is. <laughs> incredible and she remembers everything i the the daughter of the man who manages my building who i love who's been with me for 25 years his daughter went to scat and she's doing really really well yeah she knows everything i mean you don't know she's a tiny little woman but she is incredible (laughs) thank you you're incredible you really are one of the actually i voted for you I voted for you yesterday. There was a big thing and you were right in there and I voted for you. Oh, thank you. 
Well, this kind of sums up everything. We have one more minute and we have one more question. David Longshot says, lots of students are graduating from SCAD at the end of this month. If a young Diane von Furstenberg were graduating today, how would you navigate this time? And what are your advice for students that are? <laughs> it would be tough. I would, <clears throat> I would try to do something. I would try to really look at the, the virtual world or the digital platform. I would try to send online. I would, uh, <laughs> there's also a virtual thing that's really interesting. Like if you, I have a nine-year-old grandson and it's more important for him to ask his father money to buy a skin on his, what is it called? The thing they all own. Um, I have a blank, but whatever. I mean, people buy things, virtual things. And so don't, I mean, SCAD is so advanced in all the virtual thing. Uh, you know, you could be a, a virtual designer and you, you, you may end up being the most successful. Exactly. It's so true. Well, thank you so much, Diane. And thank you, Paula Wallace, for being here today. We really appreciate your guys' contribution. DVF, you are the preeminent entrepreneur and philanthropist, and you just make magic by doing good for so many people, um, change the world. And I could say exactly the same about you. You have a magic wand. You are one of the women I admire the most. So I said, well, let's you. just tell everybody out there, you've all got magic wands. Make, make That's use right. of them. That's right. And the more you use your magic wand, the more powerful your magic wand is. And when you use it, it often comes back to you and becomes a boomerang. Oh, wow. DVF, you need another book. It's in I there. love that. The boomerang <laughs> is in there. Yeah. Okay. Nazinga and Lauren and DVF, we've had a wonderful time here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your generous insights and all that you've contributed to the fashion industry and to women for over the past half a century, Diane von Furstenberg. And to all of you, to you are opening. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Enjoy it and own it. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Diane von Furstenberg. You can find DVF's latest book, Own It, at practically every bookseller in-store or online. There's so much planned for SCAD this fall with signature events coming right around the corner. Animation Fest, the SCAD Savannah Film Festival, exhibitions at the SCAD Museum of Art and the Museum of Fashion and Film in Atlanta. Keep an eye on the events calendar page at scad.edu the SCAD Instagram account, and at Paula Wallace's Instagram account so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to Season 6, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and On Creativity, executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. On behalf of the entire SCAD community, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active. We'll see you next time. <laughs>